0: Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, My co-host here, Dave Popovich. How are you doing, man? I'm good, Faisal. How about you? I'm doing well. Well, happy seniors week. Get out of here. It's official for you, get man. Get out of here. You're officially a senior.
1: I'm going to tell you a funny story about that.
0: And so this is your week. You I'm, get a week. Oh, thanks.
1: That's great. I don't get a week. I've never had a week before. Well, I, uh, here's my funny story. So as you know, I turned 55 this year and I was going off about the fact that there's lots of companies that actually give you a seniors discount at 55 and I've got another we've got a mutual friend who will never get a seniors discount because it horrifies them to, yeah. to actually admit that but I'm not that guy so uh, <laughs> my wife my wife was at, at the store and uh, she re- it was whatever seniors Tuesday for discount yeah and so she's at the till and she's oh shoot I should have brought my husband and the, and the woman at the till said why why should you have your husband? Well, because he turned fifty-five this year. I'll give you the discount anyway, oh. honey. She came in and told me that, and I thought, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I Even my, when you're not there, you're saving money. I got money. my first senior's discount. Look at you! <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. It felt, so, it felt good. I got to tell you. Yeah, and then no, just, it doesn't. It doesn't feel no, good. No, no, it's scary.
0: Well, you're saving money there, but just heads up, your your eldest is going to. Go to post-secondary next year. So I know no, I'm a
1: senior. With yeah, It's exactly. going
0: money's going to be coming in from the savings, but it's going to be heading out for the three
1: bucks we saved on yeah. that purchase. I but don't they think get it's gonna
0: student cover. discounts, so there's a double discount <laughs> happening We're at a the discount same time. Family, hey, your wife can, can can leverage off of both of you. You can save <laughs> oh, so much money. So It'll stupid. be like a shocking surprise to the family.
1: Well, you make it sound wonderful. <laughs> you make it sound wonderful.
0: Something happened this week in the markets in regards that was quite surprising. Is that the change or rotation? That's been happening uh, away from uh, large companies, especially in the U.S., going into small, mid-sized companies. You're starting to see uh, a, an uptick in that in that sector or in that uh, asset class size. Um, and that that kind of caught a lot of people by surprise. And so a little bit of catch-ups happening. I think that there's, there's a shift going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we look at the first half of the year or most of the year. It's been driven primarily in the U.S. Let's call that start there by technology companies, yep. and then you break it down from those technology companies that call it a dozen at the high end, 10, ten to 12 companies, uh, anything to do with the words artificial intelligence yep. has pushed the stock, that's part of that uh, stock market up. Now, when you take those out and you look at everything else, it's pretty much flat. Mm-hmm. So um, don't believe the hype is what I will say when it comes to what's happened
1: so far. Well, it's not been a broad-based rally. But, Correct, yeah. so
0: it's not the entire economy or the entire stock market. It's a selected few constituents who are doing well and very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rotation now to small cap is is something that's saying, you know what, let's look at more value-driven opportunities.
1: Yeah, well, what's next, right? If, if we've got these other areas, these constituents have done, what's next? Where's the value? Where's the next piece of growth that we can see? And maybe, maybe this is the beginning, right? Of a recognition that you've had, you've had underperformance in that small mid cap space in the United States as an example for quite a while, right? So hmm, maybe, maybe we'll see. We'll see if that uh, starts to play out.
0: I'll say uh, the Valentine's Day parade, all the way up till Valentine's Day, maybe a little bit after it was the tech boom, Uh, it's still happening to some degree. Europe did very well for the first six weeks of the year, and then kind of started doing nothing for Q2 and uh, going into Q3, um, you're starting to see that everything is just kind of being flat, uh, with exception of these tech stocks I was talking about, and now we're starting to see small, mid-cap. In Canada, mm, pretty much same thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where I find conviction behind the market is when the biggest beneficiary of economic growth Starts to do well, right? And that's financials, right? And we haven't seen that, yet. right? Right, and it could be a, a bit yet before we see that leadership. And we've again. got a great show on this, uh, <clears throat> talking about, um, you know, what's happening in the economy, what's happening in the bond market, and so we've got a great guest coming on for for a couple of segments today, uh, all talking about, you know, are we going into a recession? Right. Is the bond market going to signaling a rate cut? Um, What's happened there? Should you go into a fixed or variable mortgage? All these different topics. Yep. I'm looking forward to our guest, uh, Brian, who'll be joining us uh, after the break as well.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't want to steal any of Brian's thunder, and I'll be curious, as always, to get his, his input, but the bond market has um, has changed its stance, certainly. I mean, we got, we got a rate increase um, in Canada, yep. which was interesting because we don't often lead in many things uh, in Canada. We're such a small portion of the global economy, but we were the first we're the most aggressive central bank starting uh, rate hikes. We of the big central banks, the first to pause. Um, many people read pause as stop. and, um, and the central bank, our central bank, uh, decided that the economic conditions don't yet um, don't yet mirror the conditions that they think are necessary to bring inflation back to that 2%. And so they hiked again. At the same time, Markets are thinking about a Fed pause at this particular point. So there's some confusion in the market right now, in, in the bond markets and the interest rate markets.
0: And, and, and it, for those of you who remember the old VCR or CD and DVD players, pause and stop are two different buttons. Two different things, yeah. And don't assume that a pause means a stop. Right. And even if next uh, the Federal Reserve decides to pause, they're not saying I'm stopping, I'm just pausing. Just pause. pause and play are right beside each other. Yeah. Or often those are the same. Same button, button right? Right. So yeah. be aware that when you're thinking about what the Federal Reserve or the Bank of Canada is doing, think of your remote control for your VCR, CD, or DVD player, and pause and play are usually the same button.
1: Is that on an iPad somewhere?
0: No. <laughs> no.
1: no. I'm surprised you're special. you talking about technology, Mr. Seniors Week. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so um, uh, unemployment rate in Canada ticked up a little bit. Yep. Um, Monetary policy takes a long time to filter through the economy. Yes. And we're at that point now uh, where we're, what did we start, March? So we're over a year in, okay? You can argue it's between 12 and 18 months typically it takes to see these things. So we're now in the sweet spot of seeing what the interest rate hikes have done so it likely means that they're gonna be, central banks are gonna be nuanced from here, right? We did a whole bunch of rate hikes, obviously over the past year to get to where we are today, but we're at a point now where, where they're tweaking, right? It's not this get aggressive, another uh, you know giant rally uh, in, in yields. At least there's nothing that indicates that at this particular point in time. So we're gonna to have to keep our eye over the next, obviously the next several data points, just as central banks are yep. to, to get a sense of how they're interpreting what the past rate hikes, what effect those past rate hikes are actually having in today's economy. Here's some
0: of the uh, out-of-the-box thinking that are, and data that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. Um, an unemployment rate in Canada is based upon how many people are actively looking for work versus the overall population that are able to work. Yep. Okay. If you are self-employed or a business owner, you're not part of that calculation. So if you leave your job and you go and have a contract position, your self-employed contract, so you become an Uber driver. You're no longer counted as part of the the numbers. Are you unemployed?? Right. You could be underemployed,, right. Which is dangerous, right okay So we want to look for how many people are going into self-employment. The increase in self-employment, the more push that people are saying, okay, it's not the unemployment rate's not going to be impacted, right. In fact, it might just stay flat. It might. It won't go down, or it won't go up. It, but you won't. You, if you get more people that are self-employed, right? There's a cha- <clears throat> There's a, a flag to look for. How do you have a growing economy with increasing credit card balances?
1: Mm-hmm. It can't happen for all that long.
0: Credit card debt in the U.S. is now one trillion dollars. Yeah. Credit card debt. Just credit cards. How does that happen? Well, people like to spend. But you'll pay it off. Maybe. <laughs> Very few people who have money slushing around in their bank account leave a credit card balance paying 20 to 30% interest. Very few people. I hope. You're right. I, I, I do not believe that, that people are like, oh, I've got you know, $10,000 in my bank account and I owe 30% here, so I'm going to leave that $10,000 owing in there. They do pay it off or pay some of it. Right? So if that's missing, these are flags that people should be looking at. Don't count the number of people going through the TSA check-in. People are traveling. I got that.
1: That doesn't mean we're not slowing down. Faisal, we've we've watched, again, bond markets um, get pretty active. Um, now, last year, we talked about the fact that generally bond markets uh, you know, are smarter than the stock markets, but the bond markets got it wrong last year. And we're gonna take a look at the activity that we've seen in the bond markets right now and talk to an expert a little bit about are the bond markets getting it right right now? And what can we expect given, you know, the the, the Bank of Canada rate increase and so on and so forth?
0: Two things happened this week that I think I really want to understand. Number one, um, surprise, the interest rates went up in Canada. We were told pause, many people took that as stop. stop. Uh, Number two, People outside of Canada, were talking about Canada. Well, yeah. It
1: kind of scared the market <laughs> a bit saying, uh-oh,
0: we actually made the news, right. Right. this is
1: fantastic. And maybe the Fed's gonna have to follow Canada, could you imagine? <laughs> Scandalous, Anyways. S- Side note, okay. before we
0: bring our guest in, yeah. I just wanna let you know, one of the major banks sent letters out to some of their customers after the, the prime lending rate went up, and some people have unsecured lines of credits, um, and it was prime plus one, they were giving some kind of deal and so yeah. forth. They've now said it's prime plus five, so now some unsecured lines of credits are being charged as high as twelve percent interest. Ouch! At this point in time, that came out this uh, just on Friday. Mm. Uh, we saw some letters that uh, banks were sending out to their clients automatically. It was a quick letter being sent out. Right. So. Heads up, this is what's happening. And I think we need to get some commentary yep. about what the surprise was yep. and then how this is going to impact. I think there's some data in there. Well,
1: we've got a terrific recurring guest joining us again. Brian DeCoste is a founding partner and president of Algonquin Capital. So uh, first of all, Brian, thanks uh, you know, uh, for being with us today and welcome back to the show.
2: Oh, My pleasure. I always uh, enjoy an opportunity to chat with you guys and to share with uh, the listeners out in Calgary.
1: Well, let's try to get some context as to what's going on. There's um, there's a bunch of areas we can go here, uh, but let's just think a little bit about the uh, the Bank of Canada and the the rate increase that we saw this week, the quarter point rate increase. So maybe you can comment on that. First of all, was it a surprise?
2: Well, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't really a, a true surprise. The the we had seen. Uh, in the last couple of months in particular, the economic data was just coming in a little stronger than what the Bank of Canada had forecast when it paused in January. And I think the, the really, the data point that really scared them, and, and, it, and, and they did talk about it in the meeting, was the fact that after about nine months of inflation numbers falling steadily, we actually had inflation tick in the other direction. And when you couple that with the The fact that the job market, um, you know, up until today looked really, really strong um, and spending was holding up. I think the Bank of Canada realized, you know, the bond market sort of figured out, hey, you know what? There is a really good chance that the Bank of Canada is going to hike either, you know, this week or in July. So the hike itself wasn't a real surprise. What did surprise the bond market, though, was... The concern that the bank showed around the, let's call it the stickiness or the persistence of, of inflation. And the bank actually mentioned that their concern around inflation not falling, you know, to two percent, but getting stuck at somewhere between three and four percent. So the bond market actually now has to had to think about, whoa, you know, there might be another hike or even a third hike to follow. And and that was the surprise.
0: We've been told for a long time now that it takes a while for interest rate increases to filter its way through the economy and slow things down, uh, slow the demand side down. Um, Here is where the question comes into play. We've seen a bunch of interest rate increases over the last 12 months um, and we haven't really seen the signs that it's filtering through the economy. So. Shouldn't we pause and see what happens and then raise? Um, or do you think now we should continue to increase interest rates? Because it's, it's got some point, and I mentioned this earlier, 12% interest rates for unsecured lines of credits are being passed on to consumers. Um, it's going to impact at some point. Will this you know is it, is it time to pause again, or should we just keep on going until we get into a recession and that will clear it all out?
2: Well, I will say the Bank of Canada is, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't want to over tighten, you know, they're, they're, they're,
1: you know, over tightening really will mean a lot of hardship for a lot of Canadians because it, it will mean unemployment
2: increases. And so the bank certainly doesn't want to do that. And that's why they paused in January, right? Because they, they recognize, you know, the simple fact, other than the people that have a floating rate mortgage. Uh, people's mortgages reset, you know, typically every five years, right? And, and the bank has mentioned this. It will take until 2026 until every mortgage has reset in Canada. And, and I think up to now they've said maybe it's a third of mortgages or 40% of mortgages have reset. So actually, a large number of Canadians haven't felt higher interest rates except for in their savings, right? They're earning more in their savings, so that. You know, so sixty percent of people are kind of going that's pretty good I'm kind of happy but I think the other thing you know so so the bank that's why they wanted to pause and I think they will typically go in smaller increments because we are close to five percent and even if we go back before the great financial crisis rates of five or six percent did slow the economy so you know it it's it, 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 it they're well aware that they can, they have the luxury of going slower. But what I will say is I think where everyone misjudged and and, and myself included was the, the fact that, you know, for the last, you know, if we look at those 60% of people that haven't had their mortgage reset over the last two years, Canadians have been enjoying uh, wage increases of five or 6%. So cumulatively. Wages have gone up 10% for some people, some families, some households, 10, 12%. They haven't had the higher mortgage rate. So for them, it's like a lot of this more disposable income. You know, I I recognize groceries are more expensive, et cetera, but still they've got a lot more cash. And people are out in spending, um, you know, just go to any airport and it's jammed, right? Try to get a restaurant reservation, it's jammed. So... This is the part where I think the Bank of Canada and the bond market got it wrong was that, you know, people said, well, interest rates are 5%. The economy is going to go over a cliff, but it's these very lags where we, we you know, people underestimated the fact that they a lot of Canadians are still enjoying a higher disposable income. Over time, we're going to see that decline, um, you know, as the people's mortgages reset. And then, as you pointed out um, you know some of the resets that people are seeing are very egregious, um, and so I don't think the bank is should, or will they, just keep going until we get really bad economic numbers?
0: Do Do you feel, based on all the st- all the data that you have, that Canada's heading into a recession?
2: So it, this is the uh, you know the million dollar question we get this one a lot, um, and. You know, there is a theory out there, and the central banks do talk about it, how inflation can fall to 2% and, you know, the unemployment rate really not move. To be honest with you, I'm very skeptical of that theory. Uh, There's no historical precedent for that. And so my thought is that, you know, at the end of the day, the Bank of Canada has one mandate, really, which is low and stable inflation. They've defined that as 2%. Um, so I think that ultimately we're go- the only way or you know we're really going to get the two percent uh, uh, inflation is the unemployment rate has to go up and I think anytime you see a rise in the unemployment rate of say half a percent at least then you're probably going to meet the conditions for a recession that said I don't think it's going to be a really deep or catastrophic one um, I think it'll be you know fairly shallow um, and and so you know, I, it, it's it's not something that I think people should fear in any great way. But I think ultimately we are going to you know go through a very a period of very slow growth or no growth or slightly negative growth, which is going to be necessary to be able to bring inflation uh, expectations down.
1: Okay, so you're consistent. Uh, when we spoke with you last, it was sort of a mild recession, was the expectation. You haven't. I think changed your position from there. Is that true? Uh,
2: I haven't changed my position and that's largely because I'm watching the way the Bank of Canada operates and so far, I think they have been prudent where, you know, my concern would go up is certainly if they, you know, started to embark on another, um, 50, 70, basis points in a more mechanical fashion, then I would think you have to say, okay, well. You know, now the probability of them overshooting on interest rates is growing and an overshoot on interest rates, you know, it's like taking a big sledgehammer to a nail. Uh, you can actually, you know, it, one swing, the nail is in, good, in a good spot. The second swing, you've broken the board. So I think that's where I would be uh, very concerned.
0: Brian, the bond market has um, forecasts how interest rates are going to move in the short term and how interest rates are going to move in the long term. And there's been a lot of conversation on both sides of the border uh, that the central bankers are going to cut interest rates. Is the bond market pricing in an interest rate cut? And if so, when?
2: Yeah. So the, the way uh, bond traders and, and, and portfolio managers you know, try to understand what the bond market is looking at is we look at the shape of the yield curve. And most of the time what we see is what's called an upward sloping curve where, you know, the shorter maturity yields are low and then the longer term yields are higher. So 10-year yields are higher than two-year yields. What we've got today is still what's called an inverted yield curve where the yield on a 10-year bond in Canada is about 3.5%, but the yield on a two-year bond is 4.5%, right? And so when we see an inverted yield curve, that tells us the bond market expects interest rates to be lower in the future. And there's really only uh, one way that that's going to happen. And that is or, or, or one condition that we need for that. And that's inflation to fall. So, you know, like we talked about just prior to this, inflation can fall all on its own. That's a theory. And, you know, we could get there without, uh, 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 and then that would allow rate cuts. Or we get a recession that co- that allows inflation to fall, and then we get rate cuts. So right now the bond market is saying no rate cuts this year. In fact, we think at least one more hike, possibly a second one. Rate cuts are not in built into the yield curve until around the second quarter of 2024 but the bond market does expect that when they they materialize that they will be um, a number of them in a row. So you know, whenever it starts, they're looking at a trending four or five rate cuts, 100, 125 base points of rate cuts between 2024 and 2025.
1: Okay, so that's been pushed out materially since where we started at the beginning of the year when the bond markets were anticipating rate cuts by the end of 2023. So clearly the Fed and the Bank of Canada's message um, has been uh, accepted by the bond market that you know we're going to likely have to keep even if we pause, we're going to have to keep rates higher for a little longer to make sure that inflation, in fact, does retreat. So, okay, yeah, that's interesting to hear. What do you do, Brian, if you're uh, if you're coming up to a mortgage renewal now, given what uh, what you see in the bond markets and what um, you know what what bond markets are telling you about the path of interest rates? If somebody has a you know, it's this year their, their mortgage is retiring, they're um, expiring. And what do they do? Do they go short term for a year, expect it to fall and then lock in? Or do you take five years? What, what would you advise on that generally? And I understand, you know, every individual should get their own professional advice on this. But how do you see this playing out?
2: Right. So the, the first thing I would say is people should not expect to see interest rates back to the low levels we saw in 2020 and 2021. And and I'm going to be really bold here and to say, I don't think we'll see those levels again in for decades. Um, and so, and the reason I, I think that is because I think the period we saw, you know, just pro- even prior to the pandemic, where we had 2% interest rates and 1.5% interest rates, that was an anom- that was the anomaly anomalous period. I think we're going to go back to a level, you know, a period that's was sort of where we were in the early 2000s and that could be a 3%, 3%, 4% interest rate world. So, so people should have their, you know, when they're thinking about their mortgage rate, that should be the first thing that they, you know, I would like them to think about is you're not likely to get a fixed rate mortgage at 2% again, right? Now, in terms of what to do this year, you know, as you pointed out, a lot of this really depends on someone's uh, financial situation um conventional wisdom says hey a floating rate mortgage you usually do better than a fixed rate mortgage over a long period of time but i think we're really focused on you know as canadians you know mortgage you get an opportunity to reset your mortgage you know every five years or depending it could be every three years if you do shorter so my thought is uh you know there are going to be some people who will think hey the you know you know, there is a there is a path for central banks, the Bank Canada cut rates very aggressively if the economy plunges into a deep recession, you know, very soon. So I think for the folks that you know really truly believe that's a risk, then and, and they can afford to make the higher payments of a variable rate mortgage, then a variable rate mortgage would make sense for them. But I think the other side of that is it probably does take longer. And, and you know, if we think that rate cuts are coming later in 2024 and into 2025, then a really, you know, potentially good option is to fix your mortgage today, but do it for two or three years so that you can take advantage of the of the having that renewal, hopefully in a lower r- rate environment than we are today. Um and, and then at that point, you you know, the five year mortgage might make sense uh, at that point. And then for the person that you know, really cannot handle um, a higher rate at all, or they just need to sleep at night, then of course for those folks, you know, as painful as it might be, the five-year mortgage rate, you know, gives you the the certainty for five more years. So, uh, But I think right now, probably for the vast majority of people, that fixed rate two or three-year mortgage might be a really good way to go.
1: Okay, I think we have to leave it there. Um- I could talk to to you for hours, as you know, Brian, on bonds and whatnot, but thank you. I think you've given us some pretty good insights, some things that we need to be watching as investors and some things that we need to be thinking about if your uh, if your mortgage is uh, is coming due soon. So thank you again for joining us tonight. My pleasure. All right. We've been uh, joined by Brian DeCosta, who is a um, co-founder and the president of Al- Algonquin Capital. Um, we had a very interesting conversation last night. We were doing a, a talk or a presentation to a group. And there was a recurring theme, as we were going through various strategies and ideas. Yeah, and the recurring theme was, why has nobody ever told me about this, right? <laughs> and there was a series of things that had come up. You know, we were talking about one aspect of uh, of trusts, and um, you know, how come my accountants never brought this up? And then we were talking about other aspects, and how come my lawyers never brought this up? And there was a recurring theme of, how come nobody's ever told me about this stuff?
0: And, and we hear that quite a bit because when you bring out an idea or a strategy or an approach to to handling not only how to grow your wealth with investments and so forth, uh, but also how to minimize on tax and, and get all the objectives you're trying to achieve uh, and make a cohesive plan. Yeah. Uh, whenever you bring up those types of new ideas, people always say, "How come I don't know about this, how come no one's ever told me about this? And I think that's where one thing that we we, what I've learned over the years, I've been doing this for now over 25 years, Dave, and I can tell you that, when these types of conversations come up of the why hasn't anybody told me that, I always ask, how are you receiving information? And it's usually siloed. And what I mean yeah. by that is your financial <clears throat> advising team and your tax team and your legal team don't work together usually. They're siloed. So right. what happens in, your, in the law firm is not going across to the accountant most of the time unless they're working on a, on a strategy together. Right. Um, and then it doesn't go across to your financial team who's giving you advice on a different type of picture. Right. And so when you don't have that, that cohesion between those three groups and you don't have a quarterback who's handling say, that.
1: How do you get the cohesion, right? You need a quarterback.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where we learned over the years that it doesn't happen organically. There right. has to be with intent. Right. And so when you look at that, who's going to be the quarterback to make sure that everything else is done? And these are the questions I think people need to ask. If right. you're you know, an entrepreneur growing your wealth or you're you're, approaching retirement or living in retirement, who's going to handle the conversations with the other silos and who's going to basically quarterback everything, which means they're going to step over their own expertise. So I'm not a tax accountant, but I step over and speak to tax accounts about tax. Mm -hmm. Rarely do we get other professions that step over and talk to us about what's happening in the portfolio so we can that impacts the tax, side. It's usually, right. it's usually us stepping over on the tax side, and that just happens to be how it happens for us, it doesn't happen for everybody, but because our clients have chosen us to be the quarterback. So um, I think what I've learned from last night's session was that you know people don't have a, a cohesion and a quarterback working for them.
1: Yeah, and in, and in fairness, um, people don't know what questions to ask, right? And so I think one of the things that came out of that is for people to think a little bit about um, who, who do you want to be your quarterback? Right? So first of all, decide, do you want a quarterback? Because a lot of people um, are reluctant to maybe tell their accountant all the stuff they're doing on their investments or whatever the case may be. right? Yeah. And so if there is a reluctance, you will create a silo. But you, you're going to need to. It was interesting. I think the conclusion for many people last night was, okay, i got to figure out who my quarterback is going to be. And that person's got to have a broad enough knowledge across a whole bunch of different areas to be able to at least arm me with the right questions to ask. Help me find the right resources if I don't have them on my team already. Correct. Right? Where do I got? Where do I have to go to get that? And then work on a collaborative basis for strategy, not just tactics in a silo. Here's what I find happens a lot
0: with people who still work in the silo strategy, and I mean the the individual client, the one who's got the wealth, who's got these objectives. So I'll, I'll paint the picture. I, I mentioned to the group last night that I have a family trust. Mm-hmm and I mentioned to them that I uh, use this family trust to, to distribute money to beneficiaries like my children. Yeah. Okay. Um, that surprised a lot of people when I use the words tax-free to my children. And so I, when, when you're working silo and you're working with your tax professional, your legal professional, your financial professional uh, in, in silos and you're talking to one person about your, your family and if it doesn't cross over to the tax side or the legal side or vice versa, whatever it may be, if you're telling, oh, you're only doing one side, you're not gonna be able to, to get those types of strategies brought to your right, attention. Right. Because if you're only talking to your investment person about investments, and you're only talking to your tax professional about tax. And preparing tax, and and preparing never mind tax, even strategy. Not strategy, yeah. just preparing, tax. even if it is a strategy, it's, I wanna have strategy about my business, right. or I wanna make sure how do I, you know, if they're not working together, you're gonna miss on these opportunities. Yeah. And one thing I've learned about Canadians, in general, they don't like overpaying in taxes.
1: <laughs> okay, is there anybody in the world just curious? I haven't <laughs> surveyed the entire world, Okay. but I know this about Canadians, <laughs> okay? good. Okay. Yeah.
0: Some might wanna pay some more taxes, <laughs> I, I, so I haven't met them yet, but the, the, the idea behind this is that we do not want to pay more than we have to. Right. I think <clears> as Canadians <throat> we kind of agree we have to pay some tax, um, other in other countries, they want to pay zero. Right. Well, and Canadians a little bit more. You yeah, know, we'll, I know we have to pay a little bit. Yeah.
1: So there's some there's some amount that we have to pay. Yeah. But but you're right. Listen, whether we want to or don't want to, we live in this country. Taxes are part of the uh, as a part of the equation, whether you're an entrepreneur and working or whether you're retired. Okay, it's always going to be part of the equation, and you do have to actively manage that. And then what the when, you know what are the other things we talked about and and let me throw this in because you you've got to get professional advice in all these things because we were talking about layers right there's no one strategy fits all yeah right there's there's often um, uh, different strategies given different assets and it's it's layers of strategy right strategy isn't one thing it's a series of things that are combined in a way that makes sense for for that individual family and so the conversation was interesting right so you know, people put up their hands and yes, I've done this and that, it, this didn't work out, but it worked out for this person over here. Well, what's the difference there? And that's where the nuance of having that quarterback that can look across multi-disciplines to make sure that we're exploring and educating on all of the different uh, options that could ultimately become part of the strategy. I think if
0: you if you are a person <clears throat> who is transitioning to or living in retirement, you've accumulated some wealth, you're paying taxes, mm-hmm you have family, you are wanting to make sure you're cared for properly in the way you want to be cared for as you age, you have a business, you you know, these issues that come up, if you have these things in your life, you cannot go through um, your journey in life, working with silos, because you will miss opportunities, right?
1: The other concept that came up we talked about was advocacy last night, yes. right? And we had a lot of conversation around that. And, and, and part of that is sometimes, I'm gonna say this culturally as Canadians, we just kind of accept what we're given. Yeah. Um, and I think generally people would accept that that we, we need to be better advocates for ourselves. Ask some questions, right? Um, don't, you know, if I go into my doctor Okay. I'm not expected. I don't expect to be a doctor, nor do I expect my doctor to think I'm a doctor. So I can ask the dumb questions because I'm not supposed to know this stuff. Correct. Right. So I think people hold back sometimes on on that advocacy role because they feel, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to appear dumb or that sounds dumb. It's not. Right. I think it's important that you you seek people whose opinion you trust across whatever um, spot you're in and engage them at a level that. You're a novice. This is the expert. I need to know from you what I should be asking, what I should be looking at.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where the 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 next step of of your decision making process right. is not only getting the information and the advice, but advocating for yourself. And I think that's an important piece when you when you are learning how to be an advocate, you're learning how to take things in your own hands to get the results you're looking for. And one way to be an advocate is in arming yourself with the right information. And we're going to prepare for you the right information on how to protect, how to bulletproof that retirement, how to provide income for the rest of your life through your retirement at our upcoming seminar on Tuesday, January 20th, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You do need to register for this. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register.
1: Okay, we want to thank you on behalf of Faisal and myself, Dave. Thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on QR Calgary. And if this segment, any of our past segments are of interest to you, you can always go to morethanmoneyradio.com and look at our archives for all of the content there. Thanks for joining us today.